Harrison Price for Monday, August 14th, 2023. Coming to you from the GoGo Sports Studio, built by Arbor Lee here at the iconic Wall Center downtown Vancouver. If you're visiting Vancouver, if you just want to be near the airport for an early morning flight, we suggest the Weston Wall Center YBR. Get some rest, relaxation in those plush, heavenly beds. Matt Harris alongside Lake Price, Grace Sass hitting switches, conducting things. And this show, a presentation of the Applewood Auto Group, we're at Applewood Nissan Surrey, Applewood Nissan Langley, Applewood Nissan Richmond. You can try the 23 Sentra from 83 Weekly, the 23 Murano from 135 Weekly, and the 23 Frontier from 644 Monthly because, Blake Price... It is all good at Applewood. Indeed it is. More on Applewood uh, in advance of our next guest because somebody's driving a new car. Bodog poll question, which free agent acquisition will provide the most value? Teddy Bluger, Ian Cole, Carson Soucy, Pius Suter, the newest Vancouver Canucks, signed Friday a two-year deal for $1.6 million. So you can vote at Sakarison Price on Twitter. Bodog, your source, free casino games, poker strategy, sports odds. And Bodog, line of the day from me, here's the thing. Now the Canucks have a third-line center. If you think they've got the goods to topple Vegas and Edmonton and Seattle in the Pacific, you can get them at 14 to 1 on your Bodog line of the day. How was your weekend? It was uh, very sun soaked, hot. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, yeah, I had a great, yeah, got together with a bunch of my high school buddies at the lake and. Had a fabulous Reunion. time. Yeah, yeah, we've we uh, done a couple of these this summer already. Oh, it's cool. been it's been good. I maybe had my best weekend of the summer. Yeah, I think I might have too. It was yeah, it was, yeah, mm-hmm. it was a really good good weekend. Got a chance to play Capilano Golf and Country Club on Friday, thanks to our buddy Mike Allen of Rona Vancouver on North Vancouver on West First. Can't wait to uh, cash in my rain check for that round, mm-hmm. <coughs> Michael. Can't, I can't say I uh, <laughs> can't say I played particularly well. It's no, sort of, it, it it beat me up. Your first time around yeah, yeah. Can, can be something. It's, it's kind of an intimidating place too. Yeah. I mean, but everything you told me about you know looks like a mini Augusta. Yeah, yeah, that's that's fair. Rough was up too. Attended uh, a nice dinner party Friday night in Lynn Valley. Oh, very nice. Wow. And then North Shore kind of guy. Well, on then there was Kits Fest. Oh yeah, well back Saturday to your roots. Okay. Back to my roots. Shout out Howard Kelsey, Ron Putsi, Anif Mamdani, and the entire organizing group Aisha at Kits Fest for having us there Saturday and Sunday. Bumped into a bunch of our friends, including next line David Benefield. Went to the Lions ah, game, Benny. and boy, were the Lions good. And then back to Kits Fest yesterday to watch some really good basketball. Boys in fantastic basketball there. Perhaps not as aesthetically pleasing when the wind is gusting about 30 kilometers mm-hmm. an hour. Mm-hmm. The poor team shooting at the Western goal last night were uh, having to account for the wind on your jump shot. Not something you hear a lot. Anyways, uh, marvelous weekend and boys are getting hot here this week. I voted Pius, Pius Suter as the most value from this free agent crop for the Vancouver Canucks, just typically 
guys who were signed this late in the summer tend to bring more value than guys who were signed on July 1st. And the other three guys were signed mm-hmm. July 1st. We're talking about a guy who was making $3.7 million last year, Blake. So to get him for two years at 1.6, and as we heard from P.S., and we'll play some of his audio here, he um, he received interest from the Vancouver Canucks on the first day and had to wait around for six weeks. But the Canucks were still there. It sounded like he was getting antsy, and a deal got done. Yeah, and... Uh, a position of need, a good value contract. So this is very good work, I think, from Patrick Helvey. I'm a little surprised. I, I mean, I, I think he wanted to come here to some degree. Uh, Pew Suter did. But I still am amazed that in the ensuing time frame, nobody else... Ditto. ...stepped up. Yeah. And wow. And... You know, he's an imperfect third-line center. Sure. He's not the biggest guy. He's not the most physical guy. He's not great at face-offs. He's a good, not great penalty killer. But in this kind of price point. Not necessarily your shut-down shadow centerman or anything like that. But, yeah, he's a smart hockey player. He kills penalties. He's a natural center. Plays unsheltered minutes. And he can give you a little extra offensive pop. And he's done that in both of his previous NHL yeah. stops. Both with Detroit. And back in the day with Chicago Blackhawks, where once upon a time, Blake, you know, was playing with Kane and Debrinket there. So, no, there's a lot to like uh, about this signing. And it fills, as we've talked about all summer, the biggest need on the hockey club. So I, I, I think this is very wise on behalf of the Canucks. It gives you depth at center ice, and it also guards against potential injury to your top two centermen. So a, a lot of good. In this signing. Yeah, and, and it allows maybe, you know, a another good year of development for the long shots that are on the farm. Right. You're not going to form, right. you're not going to force Carlson or Max Hassan and, and, yeah. and Ratu into positions right. that they don't necessarily uh, deserve or aren't ready for. And who knows, maybe one of those guys has a great fall. Maybe mm-hmm. somebody in Abbotsford has a great start to the season, and then, and then there's even more depth. Yeah. Or they just have a good first half, and the second half of the season, you're Our looking options. at somebody who's, yeah. Yeah, yeah, buys you more time. Friday's Bodog poll question, would JT Miller make a good captain? Yes or no? 1,261 votes. Mm-hmm. What did the people say? God, I could argue this in both ways from like what I expect the people to. And we did on yeah, this versus people. <laughs> no, in terms of a guess, I, uh, I'm going to say people said no. They said no. What percent? 54 63. It got up to 63. I didn't think it would get to 63. No. Uh, I thought a lot of people were spurred on by his podcast interview last week. Yeah. Aaliyah, in the podcast interview, JT said he asked Talkett to keep him on a short leash, leash to help him stay accountable. I like that insight from him, but guys who are captain material, Henrik, Naslin, Luongo, already know how to keep themselves accountable and don't need a short leash. Chris says, yes, I don't think you can put the C on Pedersen if he doesn't want it. Maybe Hughes, but he looks uncomfortable in front of the media. Miller is the de facto choice, I think. Sam, he's way too hot-headed to be a good captain for this club. We were in a very difficult position with him on this roster, not from a hockey perspective, but more from a personnel perspective. We need a captain that's more alpha than JT, to be honest, or it won't work out. Interesting take. Canuck says, no, not if you want to re-sign Pedersen. And then Joe, very democratically, said, let the players vote on it. And if he gets it, great. 
Yeah. I mean, there's a, a bunch of different ways to find the right guy here. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll be interesting to see what tact the team yeah. takes. Well, let's hear from him because he did do a media availability on Friday. He did it late at night from his home in, mm-hmm. in Zurich, Switzerland. Um, he pointed out that he can play any position and has played any position, but of course the Vancouver Canucks are going to need him to play center. He pointed out that um, some of his best offensive production as an NHLer came in a season that was shortened by injuries, rookie year, where he had 27 points in 55 games. Great which, rate. Yeah. yeah. Rate wise, that turn, I mean, that's very, very good. 36 points in 82 the next year, and then 24 and 79 last year. So backslid a little bit, but. We saw his defensive zone starts. We saw the fact that he was more often than not playing the tough matchups on a Detroit team that, let's face it, was a little bit better and had more offensive players to select from. Uh, let's hear Let's hear from him on his weight here in free agency, not, si- not signing until August 11th. It's been a bit of a longer six weeks than uh, usually, to be honest. I'm not going to lie about that. Uh, you know, the uh, Canucks always showed interest right from the beginning. Uh, you know, I could tell they kind of did the homework on me. And uh, at the end, that's what uh, excites me about the most. They kind of know what I am as a player. And, uh, yeah, it's been, uh, a bit, yeah, six weeks that's been a bit longer. But uh, now excited that I uh, finally know where, where I'm going and uh, excited to get started. Well, and this is good work for Malvin because you show the interest in the player. You let him know you're, he's wanted. Of course, a lot of them are, you know, have dollar signs in their eyes, sort of thing. And then the market acts as it did. And as the Canucks, you stay on this. You, know, you don't want to budge off your price point or your term point, whatever the case may be. I think two years was key here, and. You know, as you say, typically, if you're going to find bargains in free agency, it's in August, not July. Yeah, I, I, and you know, uh, I think he he uh, probably begrudgingly went to two years because he probably wanted this to be a show me contract for one. I'll, I'll take a hit for a year and then try to bounce back and show people what I really am. But you know, I guess he just his camp didn't feel like they had a whole lot of. Uh, a lot of leverage in this situation, and that is only going to benefit the Vancouver Canucks because it's relatively fear-free at, at two years and at that freight where it's almost entirely variable. So this is an unabashed win. Like, yeah. Yeah. I'm sure they're not thinking that. He's an NHL player, but yeah, worst comes to worst. Yeah. Uh, his ice time. He said something interesting with regards to he was asked about making the transition into being a defensive player, as many young players are, right? This is a 43-goal guy in his final year with the Guelph Storm and in the OHL. This is a 30-goal guy in 50 games in a Swiss League season before the pandemic. So he was accustomed, like many are, of coming up and being a scorer. And in the NHL, he had to find a different role. He was asked about the transition into being a defensive player. Take a listen. It's always been part of my game. I always try, especially when I was younger, to try to get into teams, try to get more ice time to be reliable on the on the other defensive side to get some extra shifts in to show more what you can do. And so I always had a focus on that as well. 
it's uh, it's not always easy to make it happen at the NHL level. Was there something in particular you had to change as a player when you first came to Chicago, when you came to Detroit, to to be successful defensively? Um, yeah, small things, you know, just be a little bit, even a little bit smarter, uh, being better, you know, position wise. Uh, maybe you know, it's not uh, a lot, but sometimes half a meter, a couple of centimeters more to the inside or on the other side. Helps you a lot with uh, body position and also um, battling against bigger, bigger players and know the moment when you have to uh, be strong and have a good timing. You know, there's not a sk- there's not a, a, a skill in his quiver that is overwhelming per se. Um, but you love maybe it's the brain. I mean, maybe, maybe we're we're gonna learn that you know his ability and want to learn um, things like positioning is is going to be his superpower here because you do like a guy that, that takes some pride in that. I mean, um, you know, smart players can make an average skill set look a lot better. And this, by all accounts, is a very smart player who gets the most of whatever talents he has and has figured out a way yeah. to be a good NHL player by understanding the game and understanding his skill set and understanding the intersection between those two things, people might want to know too that he uh, was a CHL player. Like he played, yep. he played junior uh, for the Guelph Storm. So he, like he's he's played a North American game for a while now. He's he's not going to he's uh, he's not only three years into the North American. Game. Played with Jason Dickinson of all people. Yeah, mm. he sure did. Who would Hopefully otherwise be holding down this yeah. role right, if he right. could have? If he could have. And Grady, I saw um, you like the player card here that Jay Fresh Hockey produced. On him. Jay Fresh Hockey said, not really a player who does all that much, but should provide a bit of a defensive boost. Uh, the penalty killing and even strength defensive metrics are very good here for Suter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's one of the areas the Canucks definitely got to shore up next year. Talked a lot about the defense not being up to par, but it was also the forwards as a whole, like the first half of the season under Boudreaux. Like you talk about blowing the zone or not getting back on the back check. He's going to clean that up. Do you guys worry, and this might be too old school thinking, but what we just saw with Vegas, what they did in the playoffs, like yeah. he doesn't shoot right. He's not the biggest size. He's not good on the faceoffs. Like I like the signing for the dollar amount, but there's mm-hmm. definitely some things you can nitpick at it here. So uh, I was thinking about that over the course of the weekend. If you thought you were a contender right now, I'm not sure this is the third-line center you're looking for. But from where the Vancouver Canucks are, which is bereft of any right-shot centermen and bereft of centermen who are full-time NHL capable of of handling that role, this is a nice bridge. I mean, if he's with the Vancouver Canucks when they're contending, I would suspect he's probably playing a little further down the lineup or they have an exceptional one-two center combination or trying to get by with him or you try to get size elsewhere like i'm, I'm okay with this guy being your third line center if you've got size elsewhere so you're right. right if you're a contending team you look at the connects roster right now no not big enough probably not snarly enough um but that's not what the, what they are and they can make those additions now in the next 18 months as they try to get to a right. a more playoffy kind of look to themselves and they're also digging out of course from the mess they inherited and the other thing i'll say is you know for a guy who's not all that big or physical Rebounds and deflections are two areas of the game where he trends better than average as an NHL offensive player, and that means that he's going to difficult spots yeah. on the ice 
to try and make that offensive contribution. And they got a little bit more snarly and and solid, if not mean, with Carson Susiani yeah. and Cole, right? Like mm-hmm. these aren't these aren't necessarily mean players, but they're they're solid enough. And by all accounts, based on what we're hearing, that Tanner Pearson may be pushing his way back in. He can add a little bite on the wing too. Yeah. But then yeah. that complicates things further. Of wow, how the LTIR that complicates things. cap big time. I mean, so, it's Pearson and Pullman to LTIR, I think, is what they need from a cap perspective. But further to the defensive uh, you know, start of this um, comment is, I think unequivocally this is a better defensive team, as a, like as a team. Oh, no question. Like defensive core, like the actual defensemen are better, adding guys like Bluger and... Uh, Suter. Suter. I mean, like, you're, you're just unabashedly better. But, Blake, also playing a system and a style and a structure under talk, yeah. that's going to lead to better. And don't forget, Mikheyev, too, or exactly. Sack. Like, I mean, I, I feel like Mikheyev and most certainly Ronick are, are like just are like deadline acquisitions or, or, or July 1st acquisitions. Like, mm-hmm. I know Mikheyev was a part of the terrible start last year, but he clearly was not himself. No. And yet his production was actually still pretty fine even at 80% or whatever he would qualify himself as. So I think there is reason, again, I'm not a cup contender here, folks. It's not the projection here, but I'm just saying there is reason to believe they should be better in in October and November. They just should be. BC Lions with a dominant victory Saturday at BC Place against the Calgary Stampeders, 37-9. to Over early. They hop on the visitors early, and they do not relent. That killer instinct that we've seen from this club over Mm -hmm. the last couple of years and under a couple of quarterbacks because Vernon Adams comes back, completes 22 of 32 for 322 and four touchdowns, threw a bad pick in the red zone. That's the sort of thing that's going to give Coach Campbell and the offensive staff some teaching points because you can't have that pick in the playoffs, tried to force the previous ball and then made a poor decision. But, look, we're picking nits here. He was tremendous. Keon Hatcher with a day. Nine catches, 170, and a touchdown. And that defense reverts right back to form. They hold Calgary to just 203 yards offense. I figured Ryan Phillips would get after him after the performance in Winnipeg. They're back to being 7-2. They're on to Regina this week, and uh, he features in Welcome Mat. You may have seen the former BC Lions quarterback and his exploits this week for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, the, the defense, first of all, I mean, Winnipeg's got a pretty good defense too, and the Lions have now surrendered 37 fewer points then yep. and remember 50 of those points are to the bombers <laughs> that's right like if that's just a normal 27 point outburst mm-hmm. i mean the lions are are at like 125 points against on the season midway through the cfl season and been covering the league for 25 years have seen few defenses at this stage that have been this good single digit points allowed on a handful mm-hmm. of occasions now mm-hmm. over a handful now it's crazy. Mm-hmm. And as we've talked about, you know, they've had injuries now, the receiving core, these multiple running backs, yeah. and injuries it went into this game with injuries on the defensive line and in the defensive backfield, and they just plug and play, guys. This is an exceptional operation right now from a talent acquisition point of view. 
And how about the trade that McAvoy and, and Campbell make for Vernon Adams at mid-year last year, right after work goes down? I mean, it's worth that and more when you fast forward here, given how Adams has played. Uh, the U.S. recruitment and Ryan Rigmaiden and his work is exceptional as well. You can see it out there on the field. They've got guys that can just step in and play. This is going to be fun for the BC Lions in the second half of the CFL Before season. we leave your Nathan Rourke comment, we should extrapolate that a little bit, and people mm-hmm. should go and watch some of the highlights. You have YouTube homework if you didn't see Nathan The, the one escape. I, I mean, I stopped watching for a second because I thought he was down for sure. I mean, it was vintage Nathan Rourke kind of stuff. We got Sam Atacube, Canadian International. And new white cap on the show today. Caps are back at BC Place on Sunday. Yes, that's Sunday, not Saturday. To face San Jose, they're sitting seventh in the MLS West. They're one point behind the earthquakes with the game in hand. So this is a big one. And then, and we've mentioned this to you as well, this is your last chance to see them live at BC Place until September 30th. Seven straight on the road. So you want to get this game, A, because it's positioning in the MLS West, but also you want a little bit of a cushion or as much cushion as you can conceivably get before heading out on a seven-game road stretch in the MLS, something that's completely unheard of, at least to my knowledge. They need to bank this one. They just absolutely need to bank this one, so let's hope they do. Keep this interesting. And let's hope we see some of Atacube and Richie Lurea, yeah. the two Canadian internationals. Uh, and in Atacube's Off day case, today for them. So um, we'll get a better look over the course of the middle of part of the week as to what Vanny's thinking about that. On the golf links, Lucas Glover, a one-time U.S. Open winner. What a renaissance series. Won two weeks in a row. He beats Patrick Cantley in a playoff yesterday to win the first playoff stop on the PGA Tour in the FedEx Cup standings, the St. Jude Classic in Memphis. We were hoping for five. Sadly, Mackenzie Hughes finishes 51st after this tournament. Misses going on to the BMW Championship with his top 50 cut by one positioning. But there will be four Canadians there. Abbotsford's Nick Taylor and Adam Hadwin. Corey Connors and Surrey's Adam Svensson. Four of the 50 left standing, are Canadian. And two of them are poised to make it to the Tour Championship. Connors is in the mid-20s, I believe, in the top 30 make it to the Tour Championship in FedEx points. Uh, Taylor's in the late teens, I believe. He's 17 right now, perhaps. Um, So he's in pretty good shape. I think it would have to be disastrous for Taylor to miss. Um, Connors needs to be solid, and then the other two need to be good. They need to to get a result. Hadwin and Spence have... um and have bad, work to do. And it's too bad for Svensson. He started last week really well. Yes, he and did. And just couldn't get it together again. Top 30 go to the Tour Final yeah. at Eastlake uh, outside of Atlanta. Yeah. Where we'll crown a champion. And um, speaking of cup quests, Vancouver resident Stephen Ames, of course, many years from Calgary, but mm-hmm. has moved on over here to B.C., Finishes with four birdies and an eagle in succession. Win, yes, mm-hmm. to win the Champions Tour stop by seven strokes. It's his fourth victory on that tour this year. 
He's third in the Charles Schwab Cup standings behind two guys, Steve Stricker and Bernard Longer, who sort of are 50-plus golf right now. Yeah. Ames is hanging right there with him after an incredible season for him. Blake, four birdies and an eagle to close? Have you ever heard of such no, a thing? No, that's crazy. Six under over the last five holes? And uh, needless to say, with the weather being as incredible as it is, want to highlight this weekend the 2023 JM Media Vancouver Open McCleary and Langara hosting first and second rounds Friday, Saturday. The final at Fraser View on Sunday. Shout out Fraser Mulholland, who does so much for local golf. In fact, they played around a couple of weeks ago at UBC. Kid comes up to the tee wearing a VGT had to go, oh, Vancouver Golf Tour, are you playing? He goes, yeah, I'm getting myself ready for, for the Vancouver Open. So uh, best of luck to Ian and to all the golfers who will be out at McCleary, Langara, and Fraser View this weekend. And thanks to Fraser for being such a devotee to this sport hey, in our community. A lot of these guys started on tours yep. uh, this tour or tours uh, just like it. So uh, it should be a lot of fun. The Vancouver Canadians. <laughs> Have you seen this? So they sweep a six-game series from Tri-City. Blake, they're 39-14 and 14 at the Nat this year. That is the best record in all of baseball. Major leagues, minor leagues, nobody is better at home than the Vancouver Canadians at Nat Bailey Stadium playing 731 baseball at home. They have already surpassed last year's win total they still have 24 games to play, and they're on a season-best six-game winning streak and only the second six-game sweep in their history. And they continue to make it um, dramatic. Yes, like, they do. Like, it's just it's unbelievable between um, last-at-bat wins and one-run one victories. Eighth inning comeback here over the weekend. Yeah. Tyler Zickel, they're, of course, fine play-by-play man and director of media relations, has started calling them the Cardiac Canadians, Yeah, and with good reason. Mariners one and a half games back of the Blue Jays for the final wild card. These teams are tied in the loss column, though. The M's have three games in hand. They make up one of them tonight in Kansas City. But hold on to your hat, Blake, because I think we're coming down to another Blue Jays-Mariners battle. Maybe not in the playoffs this year, but for the final playoff position. And the M's, of course, have been sensational. Since Canada Day. All right, let's get to today's menu brought to you by De Dutch. To breakfast, to brunch, to lunch, get it all at De Dutch. Kevin Allen, the Hall of Fame hockey writer based in Detroit, he's working for Detroit Hockey Now, is going to join us with the player he knows in P.U. Suter, uh, as well as some talk about Philip Ronick. Yeah. Who we kind of hardly don't know yet. Uh, it's played. Not so at the 100%. Few games. Yeah. yeah. It's played a uh, few games for the Canucks after the trade. Uh, near last year's trade deadline, also was hurt. So we got a full summer here for Philip Ronick to get healthy. And Kevin gives us his insight on both players. We'll do some hashtags, the best and worst of Twitter, including a Canadian doing well down at Seahawks camp. As mentioned, Sam Atakube, Vancouver Whitecaps. You call him fullback or wingback? I guess it depends on the formation yeah. that Vanny and I saw Vanny. Yeah. In fact, I saw a bunch of the Whitecaps, including Vanny Sartini at the BC Lions game on Saturday. So shout out to them for supporting local as well. Fantastic conversation with Sam, uh, yeah, including, you may remember, 
his mom went viral at the World Cup. So and, and, and violated terms of service on uh, Twitter <laughs> at the same That's time. Funny. No matter what you're buying, folks, when you're out in the world looking for this, that, and the other, I think you want to support businesses that you feel good about supporting. You can feel good about supporting the Applewood Auto Group. Uh, they've made the car business and communities around them a whole lot better with their work in the community. Go and find out why it is indeed all good at Applewood. Visit them online anytime at applewood.ca. Happy Hour brought to you by Yellow Dog Brewing, Neighborhood Brewing, Workshop Spirits, and Yellow Dog has been brewing up a little surprise. Angry Otter Lager. It's a crisp, clean, and crushable lager enjoyed by dogs and otters alike. You can find this tasty brew at all Angry Otter locations. End of the workday. Treat yourself to a Yellow Dog neighborhood for a workshop spirit. Let's get into it. I don't know if it was malicious. Probably not. But I do know it was another WTF moment. My question to ownership would be, was it worth it? And the architect, and I use that term loosely, given there wasn't much architecture, more finger painting with this team. It's like the running of the bulls in Pamplona. You know someone is going to get hurt. That's what you all need to understand here. Right now. Hot take. Nathan Rourke will start games for the Jacksonville Jaguars this year and lead them to victory. Hotter take. He'll eventually be a starting quarterback in the NFL. I know, I know. It's reading a lot into one preseason game. But did everybody see that throw? Did everybody see that play? That's not garden variety stuff. Escaping two flights of pressure, having the presence of mind to keep the eyes downfield and the physical ability to deliver the ball with a guy pulling him down. Quote, to make that throw for the touchdown, I haven't seen too many plays like that, even in a preseason game. Jaguars head coach Doug Peterson told reporters after the game, Rourke is special. We saw that firsthand in Vancouver last year. If given opportunities, I'm sure he'll shine down south. He's got everything you're looking for in a quarterback. Arm, vision, smarts, temperament, moxie, confidence, athleticism. The list goes on and on. And if you were in BC play Saturday, when they showed the highlight on the video board during the Lions game, you noticed how the crowd and how the Leo's bench reacted to Rourke's TD throw. He's that type of guy, the type of guy that teammates and fans can get behind. And I'm sure he'll build those constituencies in the States, much like he did here in Canada, his home and native land, over two CFL seasons. Look, it's been decades since the CFL has delivered a quarterback to the NFL successfully. You got to go back to Jeff Garcia and Doug Flutie. Rourke looks like the next one, and there will be many, myself included, cheering him on. That's welcome at for today. We invite your feedback. Feedback channels as follows on email live at securesomeprice.com. You can text 778-402-9680. It's the Great Clips text message inbox on Twitter at Price at Matt and the welcome Matt a presentation of Great Clips, the official hair salon of the NHL. Visit greatclips.com today to find a salon near you. Secure some price from Wall Center and a presentation of Applewood Auto Group where somebody 
had his first weekend in a new vehicle from Applewood. Mitsubishi Outlander from Applewood Mitsubishi there in the Richmond Auto Mall, right next to Applewood Nissan. Yin and yang, if you will, uh, for the Applewood franchises. And uh, I've been bitten by the EV bug. It's official. I take pride in not using the gas motor at all in this plug-in hybrid Mitsubishi Outlander. Uh, commuted all the way from home today. It did not touch the gas engine. It was all EV. And uh, I feel very clean and responsible. I was at a backyard dinner party on Friday night. Mentioned I'm driving the new Infinity QX60. Uh, buddy said, oh, I want to go take a look at that. So we went outside to look at the car and a Mitsubishi Outlander EV drove right by us and my bike's like i like that car too so yeah hey thank you applewood you got us in good ones it's all good at applewood bodog poll question today we're asking you which of these free agent acquisitions will provide the most value for the vancouver canucks is it teddy bluger ian cole carson susie or the new guy Pius Suter? you can vote at sick some price on twitter Budog, your source, free casino games, poker strategy, and sports odds. Sweden has been a very consistent side in women's football for many years. It is time for a breakthrough. I'm going to take them to beat Spain in tomorrow's World Cup semifinal. They're the underdogs at plus 260 on your Bodog line of the day. We're joined now by Hockey Hall of Fame writer, Covering the Detroit Red Wings for Detroit Hockey Now, it's our pleasure to welcome Kevin Allen back to Sick Harrison Price. Kevin, how you doing? It's been a while. Yeah, it has been. Uh, happy to join you guys, talk a little hockey here in uh, August. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, we reached out, Kevin, because uh, yet another Detroit Red Wing is now a Vancouver Canuck. What can you tell us about P.S. Suter, who is signed by Vancouver on Friday to play third-line center? Well, I, I think this was a great pickup for the Canucks. Uh, the Red Wings really didn't want to get rid of Pew's Suter, but, um, you know, they're in an interesting situation. They're in the latter stages of a rebuild. They wanted to get bigger and stronger. They've got younger players they wanted to bring up. So they wanted to give Suter a one-year deal, and he really was looking for a multi-year deal. Um, and I think the Red Wings felt they didn't really want to go there because they didn't know where they were going to be at. And, and uh, you know, after this season in terms of wanting to bring in younger players. But he's a very consistent two-way player. Coaches like him. Teammates like him. Uh, you know, he can kill penalties. His analytics are very good. He's the type of guy that can slide. You know, he can play third line and be a checker. He can play even on your top line. They've played him there a couple of times. He has that skill. And if you look at his offensive numbers, you know, he scores 14 or 15 goals uh, every season. At least he has for the three he's been in the NHL. Um, but I, I think everything about him um, speaks to that the Canucks got a really good deal this late in the summer. He got, you're, you're right, those numbers are very similar year to year, although in his rookie season he did it in just uh, 50-odd games. Um, he, the rate went down a little bit. Is that just because of how he was used? Um, not that it was a startling rate decrease, but there is a, a rate decrease over the over the few years. Well, I think you got to look at the kind of team the Red Wings were. I mean, they were not a high-scoring team. They had trouble scoring goals. They don't have a lot of exceptional goal scorers. So I think he did the best with what he had to work with. Um, you know, he's a guy that I think needs, you know, good line mates who can take advantage of uh, what he brings to the table. 
Um, but uh, I, I, I think, uh, you know, having watched him for two seasons pretty closely, I think he's certainly capable of putting up uh, better numbers. Like, uh, you know, he could be, uh, you know, a 20-goal scorer. He could probably add 10 points to that if he plays with the right people. It's all about opportunity with him. But, you know, I think the Canucks are going to want to take advantage of his defensive ability, too. Uh, when I speak of his analytics, you know, he's one of those guys that when the uh, – um, if you look at the pe- players that he's matched up against, they rarely uh, have more shots uh, than uh, when he's on the ice uh, than his line does. Um, you know, he's uh, pretty effective at possessing the puck. And, um, you know, there's just a lot about him uh, to like. The only thing from Suter's perspective is this had to be a little difficult for him because he's getting essentially uh, for two years what he got for you know, one year with the Red Wings, his last uh, salary with the Red Wings was $3.7 million, and he's only getting 3.2 for the two seasons mm-hmm. he'll play for the Canucks. Speed, physicality, hands, passing, shooting. Take us through that part of his game, Kevin. Well, he's a smaller player, um, so he's not uh, he's not going to mix it up, but he's not afraid either. Like, uh, you know, he'll go in the corner, he can get the puck. Um, and, uh, you know, he, he, he's not uh, timid by any means, but, you know, he's smallish. So, you know, he has trouble, uh, you know, that's too strong a word. You know, he's not as effective against the bigger, you know, forwards in the league just because he is smaller. And I think that played some role in the Red Wings decision, um, to, you know, let him walk away and not give him the second year. Um, I, I, I think uh, there was sort of a, a mandate that, uh, at least in Steve Eisenman's uh, mind, that uh, they wanted to get bigger and stronger. And, you know, when you do that, you got to cr- have roster spots to bring those guys in. And I think Suters was one of the roster spots that was sort of designated as uh, for bringing in a, you know, kind of a larger body. And um, so that's, you know, that's one area of his game where I think, you know, he'll fall, um, pun intended, a little short. Um, you know, he's just smaller. Um, so he has a little bit of trouble uh, in that regard. Speed? Is he a good skater? Yeah, he, he is a good skater. Um, you know, not not a blazer, um, but um, he's uh, you know he's a guy that's going to get where he needs to go, and he's going to get there you know quickly. He's very efficient too. Like he's uh, you know he'll dart in and out of uh, of the seams and the defense uh, as well. Um, you know, I, I think the skating is, is, is part of his game as well. Um, that's, um, you know, above average. Um, but, um, you know, that's, it's not what he's kind of known for. I mean, I think he's really known for just being a a very smart player. Um, you know, he takes advantage of everything he has to, you know, to be, be effective. And, you know, he's a good teammate. He's never, ever going to be any problem with Hugh Suter, uh, you know, that he just, he, you know, shows up when he's supposed to be there. He's pretty durable. You look at his record, he's, uh, stays in the lineup, uh, as well. And, um, you know, I like, he's not an exceptional, um, you know, a great player, you know, he's not an all-star, um, but he's very, very effective and you'll get a lot out of him. He's, uh, he was used on the penalty kill. But what is it on the penalty kill that uh, gets him favored to, I mean, do you call him a good penalty killer? You know, it's one thing to get used there, but maybe not necessarily elite. Well, he's a good penalty killer. No, I, I like his, yeah. uh, uh, I lost the tail end of your question there, but uh, if with regard to penalty killing, I, I, I think uh, um, he he's an effective penalty killer. They like him out there. 
um, you know, quite a bit. And I think what they really like about him is, is he has the ability to turn a penalty kill into an offensive uh, opportunity as well. So, um, but uh, yeah, I, they they like him. And the Red Wings did in in that regard. Although there were, I mean, there were players on the team they liked better in that role. Um, but again, I think they wanted to be um, they wanted to be hard to play against last year. That was one thing that Derek Malone brought in, um, and so they were constantly looking for guys that had a little bit more of an edge. Um, but Malone was one of uh, um, Suter's uh, biggest uh, fans. He constantly uh, praised. Uh, what he brought to the team. Does he see the ice well, Kevin? And uh, when he does shoot the puck, uh, what kind of a shooter is he? I wouldn't say he has the hardest shot on the team, but it's a pretty quick release. And he is certainly good uh, in traffic with the puck, with his shot. Um, I think he takes advantage of, of traffic. You know, he likes to see some some bodies there to um, take away uh the goalie's eyes a little bit, and I think in those situations he feels like he has an advantage. That's would be my observation. You know, he he almost seems to hold the puck a little bit, waiting for there to be more traffic, and then he fires away. Um, but you know, he's not coming over the line and and uh, you know blasting a shot from um, forty feet. That's not his game. He's going to get in close, take advantage, find the puck when others don't. Um, but you know. You cannot deny his consistency. He was, uh, you know, he, you know, in all three seasons, he's, he's, uh, you know, found ways to get nets, and, and you know, he didn't get like premium ice time last year. There's, there's no doubt. Uh, you know, he was just, you know, he got consistent ice time, but you know, he was oftentimes on the third line and um, giving a defensive more of a defensive role than a scoring role. Now, Philip Ronick is not a new acquisition. Uh, they got him back, of course, at the trade deadline, but it kind of feels like he's new. He's suited up for a handful of games for the Canucks, but was never at 100%, ultimately was held out for the rest of the season. Um, so just if you can, remind us what you think a 100% healthy Philip Ronick can do for the Vancouver Canucks, because there's going to be expectation for him to be a 2-3 defenseman, probably a 2 defenseman for the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah, I mean, Heronic is a, can be a valuable defenseman. Um, you know, certainly he offensively, the minute that the Red Wings traded him, they were looking to try to figure out how to replace him. They did it this offseason by bringing in Gossespierre uh, to handle the offensive side of that game because they didn't want to put all the offensive pressure on Moritz Sider. But Heronic is, uh, you know, has some feistiness in him, and uh, uh, the Red Wing fans like that a little bit about him as well. But um, you know, he was an imperfect uh, defenseman at times as well. He got himself, uh, um, you know, it seemed like he pouted a little bit. Uh, Sider took over as the uh, uh, number one defenseman, and that sort of got him in the doghouse a little bit with the coaches. They thought, you know, his attitude wasn't uh, as good as it should have been uh, in Sider's first year. But uh, I thought he was uh, much better uh last season about it all and he kind of sorted out his place and figured it all out but you know he's a two-way guy i mean there's no doubt about it like he's not all offense he'll he'll work on it and uh that's amazing when you talk to the czech writers who can be hard on their players like they they love Veronic. uh they Mm -hmm. really do they think he's he competes hard and especially in international competition but um i think in in detroit 
they always wanted a little bit more out of them. But I think the reason they traded them is they just didn't think they'd be able to afford them with the players they had. They didn't know if they'd have money to give him the kind of money that he's, you know, going to feel that he deserves. He's moving to a Canadian market. Do you think he's well prepared for everything that a Canadian market brings with it? Yeah. Um, that's going to be a little bit different for him. Um, uh, you know, going to Canada there where, um, you know, the, the, the media, and I'll call it pressure, um, is certainly not the same in the United States as it is in Canada. And he is not a guy that, um, you know, I don't say that his relationship with the media in Detroit was bad, but it wasn't uh, exceptional. Um, you know, we didn't, uh, he was not a go-to guy for the media and, um, he's not a guy that likes to answer a, a lot of questions would be uh, what I would say. So it's going to be different for him. He's going to have to adjust. There's no doubt about it. But as I mentioned before, he has a great relationship with the Czech media. They really, really like him. So, you know, who knows? Maybe he, uh, would, is going to thrive in that market where he's got to answer more questions. He was not looked to in Detroit. Um, to uh, talk a lot about went right or wrong with Detroit. Uh, I think in Vancouver, he'll have to certainly answer more questions than he did here in Detroit. Marvelous stuff, Kevin. Great reconnecting, my friend. Thank you for the time. All the best there in the Michigan summer. Carson Price from Wall Center presentation, Applewood Auto Group, and hashtags the best and worst of Twitter brought to you by Jason Hominick at Jason.mortgage. When you contact Jason, you actually contact him personally. There's no middleman, staffer taking your call, responding to your emails. Jason himself with the best advice on mortgages. Get that personal touch from an expert that works for you, not the bank. Find him at Jason.mortgage. Uh, at Hey Shay, uh, hey. yeah, that's Shayna from uh, The Athletic and uh, one-third of uh, the Too Many Men podcasts. Um, another, she did a full lowdown on analytics departments in the NHL. It's been a minute, she says. NHL analytics list update with some additions, subtractions, and title changes, and then compares the list to the 2019 list that she made, which, um, I mean, it looks like ballpark NHL analytics departments have tripled probably in the last four years. Um, Canucks middle of the pack, uh, four names listed in their quote unquote analytics department. Again, not completely scientific because I'm sure that every team has some people that reach in from departments just outside, maybe uh, scouting uh, or uh, the like. But it's and some may farm it out too. And some may farm it out to some degree as well. But in-house analytics departments, Canucks are middle of the pack with four. Um, four and five is sort of the average. Who do they list? Do they list names or? Yeah, yeah. Aiden Fox, Ryan right. Beach. It's such a small font I can barely see it. Miles Hanlon <laughs> and Martin Renner. Apologies if I get that wrong, yes. but it's such a small font. Uh, Seattle and Toronto seem to lead the way. Uh, eight personnel each. So that is a big department. Um, least you get it because the resources and the importance of the brand, yada, yada. But for Seattle to jump into the league and immediately have eight people, including mm-hmm. an assistant general manager, straight into the analytics department, it's, uh, it's pretty impressive. You, uh, I mean, 
Seattle's an analytics type of town now, isn't it? Yes, it is. <laughs> it's a techy sort of town. It's yeah, it's kind of a brainy town. It's our so. yeah, northern Silicon Valley, if you will. Yeah, <laughs> to some degree. The analytics haters Speaking are punching of which, air right now. Let's, let's check San Jose. Three. Oh, Silicon boy. Valley oh, come actually on. producing come on. amongst the smallest departments. Well, there, therein lies the problem. If they're going to be in the Bay Area, Google's going to pay them more. That's probably true. At Nate Gorman, I just want to make sure I understand this. Wander Franco was pulled from the late Rays lineup today because there's claims online that he was dating a 14-year-old. Rays claim it was a coincidence that he had the day off. Today's giveaway, a Franco Rays hat for fans 14 and no, under. No, 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 no. He has since been put on the restricted list today by the Tampa Bay Rays as they investigate. Still on Ticketmaster as of a few minutes ago. What was the, the, the promotion that it's today's game, Holy you get this. crap, the fact that it's even, wow. Um, yeah, that's... Uh, that's pretty unbelievable. A, a guy that's got 17 home runs, 58 RBI this season. Once upon a time, Baseball America's number one overall prospect. He's still only 22. I, I, I want to say he's in the top five in the American League in batting average. He's an exceptional player. And these are exceptionally disturbing accusations. Oh, wow. Unbelievable. Um, this is pretty disturbing, too, actually. At ESPN, former NFL player Michael Orr, subject of the Blind Side movie. Petitioned to court on Monday with allegations that Sean and Leanne Tui never adopted him, instead tricking him into signing a document, making them his conservators and enriching themselves. Uh, we know the word conservators no, because... Not Sandra Bullock. Yeah. We know the word conservatorship because of the Britney, Britney Spears, Spears. Uh, whole debacle. Um they made some money that they document, um, including for the other siblings, um, well, what he thought was were siblings, Michael Orr. Uh, so he only just found out that he didn't get adopted. He thought he was adopted by them. Hmm. Um, instead, he was just a part of their conservatorship. Yeah, I mean, his NFL career has been over for some time. 2016, I want to say. Yeah. Um, 37-year-old now. Um and needless to say, a film that won or earned more than three hundred million dollars worldwide. There was probably some cash there due to him, and he says he hasn't seen yeah. any of it. Staying with the NFL at G Bell Seattle, Captain Greg Bell of the News Tribune in Tacoma at Seahawks Camp. Fourteenth practice of Hawks Camp ends. Long run for undrafted rookie Jonathan Sutherland from Penn State at first nickel. With Devon Witherspoon, of course, the fifth overall pick, still out with the hamstring. We did that story last week. Pete Carroll coaching Sutherland a lot makes me think he's about to make the team. Well, this is an undrafted rookie Canadian from Ottawa who was elected a team captain at Penn State as a sophomore. There's not a lot of underclassmen that get elected team captains, let alone at a program like Penn State. Now... I'd be very surprised if he could hang as a nickelback long-term in the NFL. He was more sort of a a safety type. Even some, you know, the CFL teams were sort of looking at him as a linebacker. But he's the type of player that warms the coach's heart, and Pete Carroll seemingly has fallen for him. And there may well be a route to playing time on the regular defense, despite all the defensive backs that they have drafted 
with much better pedigree than Sutherland. So there you go. There's always a Canadian in Seahawks camp, Blake, that we have that we have followed over the years. Sutherland is this year's darling. I am out. One more from me mm-hmm. at Kale McCarr. <whistles> sorry, at C McCarr eight. Couldn't be more excited to be on the cover for NHL 24. Honored to have this opportunity at EA Sports NHL. One of the most fitting cover boys ever for the yeah, EA works. Sports game because here is he looks like a video he game. Is a he video play, he game plays like a video you watch game. Him in real life, up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, <laughs> ABBA. And that's hashtags for today. Well, as we discussed last week, Blake, um, the Whitecaps signing Sam Atacube was in part a repatriation here, a righting of a wrong. So it is fantastic to see the Canadian international and left back back in Whitecaps colors. He joins us now. Sam, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's nice to be back. I was going to ask, what's it like to be back in Canada? What's it like to be back in Vancouver and with this club? Uh, it's good. You know, Vancouver's home for me. You know, seeing familiar faces and then just, you know, enjoying the weather. I mean, you know, I just feel so at home here. So I'm just really delighted. How did you enjoy your travels around international football? Uh, it was amazing. You know, I had so much, so many different experiences from being in England to Scandinavia to Turkey to playing some of the biggest teams. It was, uh, it was something that's helped me grow as a player and also as a person. And I just feel like coming back at this time and at this age felt right for me. How much did uh, the Turkey experience just change your life in, in so many ways? The, the tragedy there, but uh, also some, some big-time football. I mean, it was, uh, it was the best and the worst of times, I'm sure, for you. Yeah, most definitely. You can call it a bit of a roller coaster from just um, experiencing, you know, some dark lows to some amazing highs. And um, it was very an emotional time for me, but also, you know, one of the proudest moments in my career, being able to win a championship, but also one of the saddest times in my life as well as losing some loved ones. But, you know, this is uh, it's a part of life and um, things happen. And um, yeah, it's just time to move forward. You arrived to the Whitecaps, a, uh, a man after leaving a boy almost, it feels like, and, uh, and you've got uh, World Cup experience to boot. Uh, how much does it help coming here with Richie and with that shared experience of World Cup uh, soccer and, and, and knowing that you guys can really inject something into this Whitecaps lineup? Yeah, I mean, I think it's promising, you know. Of course, we had a great experience at the World Cup. Um, it's something you've always dreamt of as a child, and having, having to be able to live that experience is something that I will never forget. But it's also it's also shown me the highest levels, you know, playing against some of the best teams in the world, uh, teams in our group that went to the final stages of the World Cup. It shows us how how close we are and far away at the same time. And I think, if anything, me and Richie can just bring back that experience of, you know, playing in difficult uh, matches in difficult and uncomfortable places and being able to really uh, stay true to your game. Why were the Whitecaps attractive to you in terms of returning to the club? I just see the uh, momentum of the club. You know, I think uh, Axel's come here and done a very good job, and so has Vanny. And it's been a couple of difficult years for the club, but I just see so much potential, so much growth. I see the squad... And ultimately, I was also attracted to the way of football that's being played here. You know, I think it brings a lot of flexibility and 
a dynamism, and I think that's something I can, you know, lend myself to. I think I can also bring a bit of a maturity and leadership, and I just see so much positivity, and I just see just, you know, good things that can happen for this club in the next years, and even in the playoffs. Sadly, I don't think we'll have snowbanks to jump into, Sam, after big goals <laughs> here at BC. <laughs> Unfortunately not, but uh, we'll, we'll adjust. <laughs> we, we've thought about making a snowbank for you. Uh, I mean, it stands to reason. There's some room there at BC Place. Uh, if the don't give Cam- the fans any ideas. <laughs> if the Whitecaps are listening, I came up with the idea Sam's Hill, and you know, and you just you jump into the hill no matter what happens. Anyway, uh, just, just a thought. It doesn't have yeah. to be used. It's, it's, not, it's not a bad shout. You know, I only score one or two goals every year, so you know, <laughs> <laughs> well, hey let, let's ask about that though what's it like to uh, what's it been like for you to be part of this rise of Canadian soccer and the men's national team as it made it back to the World Cup uh it's been um, it's been amazing and it's also been difficult at times you know I mean when we talk with each other, we talk about leaving a legacy, and that's something that John Herbin's always uh, spoken about. And it's not just about what we're doing now, it's about the younger kids coming up and seeing that possibility and seeing those role models who can, who they can play with and who they can uh, uh, get inspired by. And just having that, having those experiences is something, like I said, I will never forget it. It's something I'm so appreciative of, and it just makes me even more eager for 2026, especially with having the games in Vancouver as well. And it's uh, it's exciting times ahead, not just with the national team, but with the Whitecaps. Are you optimistic that uh, administration stuff will be settled in the not too distant future here for the men's and women's teams? Yeah, I think definitely. I think everybody wants to find a solution, and it's just about coming together. I, it's it's been difficult at times, if we're being honest with each other. But mm. you know, everybody wants to see soccer rise in this country, and of course, sometimes we have to butt heads, and things are not always smooth sailing. But eventually, we'll reach a a compromise, and everybody will be happy, and things we can just look forward to. When might we expect to see you? Is the San Jose match too soon, or are we tracking for a debut there? Um, I think it's the coach's discretion, but for me, <laughs> if he asks me how I feel, I'm not going to lie. I'm ready to go. Well, yeah, I was, I was but, just going to say, you know, his in practice, have you got a feel for how you slot in here? Because uh, he doesn't like wide players per se, he says, but then, you know, in a, in a three at the back or even a four at the back, it, it's pretty integral that you and Richie are on the flanks there and, and pushing the ball up. Do, do, you, do you feel you know your spot and what you're being asked to do here yeah i mean i've I've only been training the last uh one or two days and it takes time but you know just you know speaking with the coaches and speaking with the players about how i can fit in i'm i know there's a possibility there it's not going to be easy of course when you're joining a new team there's going to be growing pains but you know i think like i said me and richie can add something different to the team um we're bringing a bit of leadership and experience but also you know, every player is a different type of player and has different characteristics. And the more qualities you have in a group, the better it can become. And you, which formation were you playing? Like, what were you in, in in Turkey most recently? What are you most familiar with? Uh, playing it as a uh, as a wing back or as a as a fullback? Uh, in in Turkey, I was playing in a traditional back four, but mm-hmm. obviously with the national team, as you see, it's uh, more of a back five. So mm-hmm. I think that I'm kind of uh, lucky to have that flexibility and being able to play in uh, both formations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, last question here, Sam, and it's uh, it's an important one. Who's in charge of social media 
for your mom as she watches you play the matches because we, want we, webcams. we need more of Mrs. Adekube <laughs> and her reactions uh, to her baby boy out there scoring goals. <laughs> I'll give a I'll give a special shout out to my dad. Then he's the one behind the camera. <laughs> Not by his choice, though. I'll say that. <laughs> well, she's delightful, and we look forward to seeing more of her and seeing more of you whenever your Caps debut. Maybe it's been a very exciting season so far, and it's only gotten more exciting with the addition of yourself and Richie Larrea, a pair of Canadian internationals. Sam, thanks very uh, thanks very much for this. Best of luck, and again, welcome back to Vancouver. Thank you so much. Take care, guys. Sounds like Iggy Pop. A lot of the bridges we have here sound like certain artists. Mm. This could easily be Iggy and the Stooges. Yeah. It's Karis Price. From Wall Center, presentation Apple at Auto Group. You can text us, 778-402-9680, the Great Clips text message inbox. Great Clips. It's going to be great. Errors and omissions from Friday's program. Some hockey people are very finicky about this. John Shannon in disgusting, 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 (laughs) (laughs) discussing the Canucks vacant captaincy said assistant, not alternate for the right. day, but I think mm-hmm. we all know what he was getting at. And in fact, they are assistants. It's kind of mm-hmm. the role just before anyone gets uppity about that. And uh, Grady, a couple self-reporting? Yeah, not from Friday's show, but uh, I like to hold myself to high standards around here. Uh, I put out a tweet on Saturday night about the Lions showing the Nathan Rourke touchdown on the yes. big screen. And I meant to write, just like the rest of us, the BC Lions were blown away by Nathan Rourke's incredible touchdown pass. I forgot the word like. And I go to edit the tweet, and it's glitching out and said, this feature is not available right now. So I'm asking you, Elon, if your features for Twitter Blue aren't working, why are we paying you the monthly charge? All right. What's, and your, then other, over to what's Zuck, your other one? And then over to Zuck. I'm at Yellow Dog <laughs> yesterday. And I'm, I posted some photos on our Instagram right. uh, inside there. Mm. And I'm sitting on the couch last night, and Erica goes, What the hell is this post? And she shows me it. All of the, it was a four, uh, four photo carousel. Three of the first photos. Three. Three of the first photos are all the same photo. And then the last one is a black screen. Mm. So what the hell's going on? I was cursed. Did you fix that? I deleted the post. Shows me, just tells me that I shouldn't be posting on weekends. It's my takeaway. So (laughs) let me, let me get this straight. (laughs) Were you at the Lions game or posting from? No, just posting from my coach. So. Yellow Dog. I'm going to guess beer was involved. Uh, a couple seltzers. Oh, okay. Some mm. workshops. Yeah, All right. Workshops. Mm. Alcohol Actually, was had a involved. cider as well. Pretty good. Mm, good. Pretty good variety there. Maybe it was the cider, Grady, that led mm. to your posting troubles. Just throwing yes. that out there. Don't tweet. Don't post while consuming alcoholic yeah, I think that's a good uh, worldly view. Mm-hmm. Yes, really. 
Don't do anything. I managed to get a Kids Fest tweet out yesterday and not screw anything up. Yeah. No. There were some bevies had there. Nice. Yeah. Mm. And in the moment, you're like reading over the caption. Yeah, this looks good. This looks good. And then later on, you're like, how did I miss that? Mm. Yeah. Your eyeballs deceive you. Yeah. Yeah. Bodog line of the daytime with Blake Price. Bodog, your source, free casino games, poker strategy, and sports odds. Who you like, what you got? Um, Whitecaps on Sunday, rare Sunday match versus the San Jose Earthquakes. Mm -hmm. Uh, We would hope that Sam Anakube would be there uh, in the starting mm-hmm. 11. We would hope that Richie Larea would be there as well. And as we know, the Whitecaps already start well. To win the game, it's only minus 120. Don't love that. But in the first half, if the Whitecaps win the first half, it's plus 135 all of a sudden. So I, I could see a 1-0, 2-0 lead at the half for the Whitecaps, with, especially with the new blood in there. So uh, take the Whitecaps to win the first half at plus 135. On your Bodog line of the day. Thanks for listening, everybody. Please subscribe to us and Rinkwide if you've not already done so, wherever you get your podcast, And then follow us on social media, Twitter, Insta, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. Of course, support those community sponsors you hear us talking about. Keep it local.